Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Consumed Sermon Series, which talks about loving God and loving others with everything that we have. We hope that this sermon would be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. The date was Wednesday, May the 21st of 2003, when just over 38 million viewers turned in tuned in to see the very final episode of a hit reality TV show simply known as American Idol. Contestant Ruben Studdard emerged as the winner that season, beating fellow contestant Clay Aiken by just a slim margin. But the 38 million viewers was one of the largest to ever view a single episode or a single show at the end of a season outside of perhaps the Super Bowl and outside of the World Series. But just for a reality TV series, this 38 million viewers hit the record on American Idol for the most watched uh, single episode at the time. We can tell that from these stats that Americans were being consumed by the idol of entertainment and self-promotion. Our desire, in fact, for self-promotion and pleasure is still a clear indicator of of the fact that you and I are living in what many would call the last days. The aged apostle would write his letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. He would write two letters. We know them as 1 Timothy and... You guys are awesome. The aged apostle, while writing his letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he explains that there would be a a coming time period in which apostasy and a a falling away and a, a coldness of heart towards the truth would take place and that Timothy needed to be ready as a pastor for such a time as this. And it would be seen, obviously, in the world, but it would also be just as visible in the church. And Paul was indicating to Timothy that he needed to be aware of what would take place. And I see here this morning that the same indicators that Timothy was to look out for and to be aware concerning the quote-unquote last days are the same indicators that you and I ought to be aware of and ought to be watching for. And today I would like for us to consider for the next few moments that we have together this idea of a fatal attraction that is consuming our society, not just one person's society, not just one part of our planet, not just one state in our nation, but is consuming our society and it's having an effect right here within the church house. And I want you to see as we jump right on into it this morning, I see Paul first warned of the coming reality. The coming reality. You have your Bibles, take it there, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and look down at verse number 1. The Bible says, this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. These last days, the reality of these last days that Paul was describing is this period between Christ's first coming as he came and as he grew up as a baby and as he had no sin and he would die on the cross and he would thank the Lord, raise again the third day and all God's people said and in his first coming, but these last days is the period between his first coming and his second coming when he is coming back to gather those that know him as Savior. And because of these last days, we understand that this time period is known as the age 
of grace, the age of grace. It's a, a, the church age. It's an age in which God is still completing his purpose for all of mankind, and God is not willing that any should perish, that, but that all should come to repentance, and God does not want you to die and go to a Christless hell. And if you're a guest or a visitor this morning with us, I'm not going to shy away from just telling the truth if that's all right this morning. And church family, I'm not going to shy away from telling you the truth this morning if that's all right. But we are living in a time period in which we are waiting for Christ's second coming. And this time period is known as the last days or the age of grace, the church age. And God is still working his purposes in and through the things that are going on in this world. And he's still working his purpose in your life and in my life. And all God's people said, hallelujah. I'm throwing you off there. Make sure you're listening. But we see the reality that Paul was warning of to his son in the faith here, the apostle, or not the apostle, but Timothy. And Paul describes that these last days would be, you have it in your Bibles there, perilous times. Perilous times. You see it on the screen. The word perilous means or it's describing a dangerous, a hard to deal with, a savage or an exceedingly fierce, difficult, troublesome, trying, uneasy, violent and threatening time. While these characteristics no doubt have marked various time periods in all of our history, to some extent these Indicators are intensified in the last days before Christ's second return. I think it is safe to say this morning without having to dig up a lot of headlines or open up too many papers, I think you and I could describe our own society as being in these perilous times. You don't have to look very far on CNN or even on Fox News or even read the paper here in Moses Lake to realize that we are living in some dangerous, hard to deal with, savage, exceedingly fierce, difficult. How many of you have had some difficult times lately? How many of you have had some troublesome times lately? Well, how many of you have had some trying, uneasy times lately? These threatening, these violent times are perilous times that the Apostle Paul warns of. And we are seeing this all around our society, that our society is on the brink of collapse. And you see that you and I are living in an age in which it's becoming more and more dangerous to live for God and to stand for God and to love God. Those who practice righteousness are called intolerant, bigoted, narrow-minded, antisocial, and they are labeled, labeled as dangerous. While those who practice deviant and sinful lifestyles are praised and labeled as heroes by our society. Why, even in the state of California this morning, that there is a national, or not national, a state holiday that is reserved for a man that was a outknown or outspoken homosexual that was murdered and killed, and I'm not condoning that, but in the state of California, they're raising children there in the public school system to honor and to acknowledge that sinful lifestyle, and we see that that's in our nation here this morning. Those that live these sinful lifestyles are labeled as heroes while you and I who practice righteousness and are trying to live for God and are trying to live morally that we are bigoted and narrow-minded and antisocial and we are the ones that are labeled as being dangerous. There's no doubt that you and I are living in some dangerous days because we don't need to even see the headlines to realize the perilous time in which we live and Yet we wonder why these days would come and why God would allow them to be factored into his, pure, into his plan for all of mankind. And let me just say this. While God is not the author of evil, amen. God is not the author of evil. 
But he has determined to allow sinful man the consequences of his choices and to reap the fruit of their inner wickedness. It's called free will. You are not a robot controlled by some almighty being this morning, but you have a free will that you can choose whatever choices you want to choose, and you will also live with the consequences of those choices. So while God is not the author of evil, God allows evil because it's the consequence, it's the fruit of the choices that you and I make or that our society makes because all of us have gone astray. There is none of us that seek after God. There is none of us that desire to do good. That is all because of our sinful flesh this morning. And we see here that God allows this to happen in an effort to expose man's sinfulness and his wretched condition living life in the flesh and apart from God. The condition of humanity and society in the last days, these perilous times, is ultimate proof that man left to himself is not getting better, but is getting worse and worse and ruins everything that he touches. Regardless of how you and I may want society to improve this morning, we are going to continue to see a slide and in, in, into decay. We may be able to stem the tide for just a short period of time. We may be able to stop the advancement of sin in isolated pockets. But for the most part, conditions around us will continue to deteriorate until Jesus Christ returns to this world to rule in his righteousness and to rule in his power. Because you see, natural man, instead of getting better spiritually, is actually growing more and more and more and more corrupt and more wicked. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 22, that ye put off concern during the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Daniel chapter number 12, verse number 10. I like the prophet Daniel. I love his name. He was named after me. <laughs> Daniel chapter 12, verse number 10 tells us that the wicked shall do wickedly. Would we expect anything different? The wicked shall do wickedly. And as you will see in just a few moments, the spread of evil is not just in the world out there, but it's also affecting the religious circles in here. And there is no doubt that these characteristics started to appear in the Apostle Paul's day, and now they have just increased in intensity. It's not simply because there's more people in the world that live here nowadays. It's not just because we have greater, more effective news coverage and social media. It's not because of all that. It just appears that evil and Satan are getting a greater and deeper foothold, and their intensity is ratcheting up because they realize that their time is short in which they can try and take as many people with them to a Christless hell and so they're ratcheting up their intensement just moments before the Lord would return because they don't want you to spend eternity in heaven and they're going to deceive you who is Satan he's a liar he's a deceiver he's a roaring lion that seeketh about whom he may destroy and who he may devour and whom he can get off track. Hey, Satan is not your friend and Satan is after you and if he can take as many with him as he can, that is his plan and that is his goal and he knows that Jesus Christ is coming soon and he knows that it's imminent and so he's going to try and ratchet up the intensity because he's going to try and take as many as he can in these perilous, these dangerous, these last days. And our society is accepting and it's promoting his agenda. 
It's not that we have small pockets of rebellion over here. I'm, I'm going to have a little bit of fun. Are you allow, allow me to have some fun? It's not just that there's a lot of sinfulness in Seattle. It's not that there's just a lot of wickedness in Denver, Colorado, Los Angeles, Las Vegas. No, 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 no. It's just as sinful in Moses Lake, Ephrata, Othello, Warden. Do I need to continue? Soap Lake. Soap Lake's wicked. Just kidding. Just kidding. We see here that it's not that there's just small pockets of rebellion here and there. It seems as if all of society is heading to a place of rebellion and confusion. Perilous times. The reality is, is that you and I live in these perilous times. But Paul didn't just leave the reality of the perilous times with Timothy that he needed to be aware of. He gives the reason why there are perilous times. I, didn't, I wasn't preaching before. That was all kind of just warming up. But I want you to see the reason for this perilous times. And really I'm terming it the fatal attraction. When Paul describes the perilous times, he then in verse 2 through verse number 5 begins to describe not just the times, but the people that will live during these last days. He tells us how they will think. He tells us how they will live. And I want to take just a few moments and walk through the list of really 19 attitudes and actions that will mark those in the last days. And I want you to see the reason why we are in the perilous times that we are in today is because of the fatal attraction that is consuming us. I didn't say them. I said us. God's word commands us. Let me, let me do something real quick. Brother Mike, or, Brother Mike, Brother Brian, you mind if I move that for a second? I wasn't planning on doing this, but I think it would be well received. I'm putting this out here just so you and I can see it a little bit better. Everybody see that? Anybody want to take a picture? <laughs> I want you to look at that because for the past 10 months our theme has been okay let me try that again for the last 10 months our church's theme has been and you got it consumed God's word teaches us commands us that we are to love God supremely and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Matthew chapter number 22 verses 37 through 40. You know them well. And so listen as I read them off to you or look to the screen. The Bible says that Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. God's word commands us that we are to be consumed in our love for God and in our love for others. 
But sadly today, if we love ourselves supremely, we will not love God or our neighbors. You see, this idea of self-love, lovers of themselves or of their own selves, as we'll see here in verse number 2, this self-love will be the hallmark or the marking characteristic of the last days, and it will be the key to understanding the other 18 characteristics in which we'll see in verse 2 through 5, because it's the initial term, the lovers of their own selves. This simply means that they are utterly self Centered, The world revolves around them. And when the center of gravity in an individual shifts from God to the God of self, a plethora of sins can spring up. And this is proven by the very characteristics that we're about to expound and read about in the people that will live in these perilous, dangerous, last times, last days before Christ returns. And I want you to see them quickly if you would. Number one, I see the lovers of their own selves. You have your Bible, verse number two, that they will be lovers of their own selves, where men shall be lovers of their own selves. This simple idea is that they will be selfish, that they will be intent on their own desires and their own interests, that nothing is more important to this person or to these people than themselves. These people feel as if the world revolves around them. Do we know anybody like that this morning? These people feel as if the world revolves around them and them alone. And they are literally setting themselves up to be their own little G God. Because when a love for self is elevated, then a love for God and a love for God's, uh, for God's uh, word, a love for the things of God, and a love for God's people will be diminished. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot sit on the fence. You can't love yourself supremely and love God supremely. If you love God supremely, you're not going to love yourself supremely. If you love yourself supremely, then you're going to be diminished in your love for God, which is going to affect your love for others because you're going to be consumed with the side effects of a love for yourself. Paul in Philippians reminded the Philippian believers in chapter 2, verse number 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And I want to just take a note just real quick, if I could, that every one of the characteristics that we're about to see in moment, Paul names as being a result of those that love themselves. When a person is number one to himself or herself, then, and he is the be-all, the end-all to their existence, then we should not be surprised at the depths of evil that that individual will go to. Keep in mind that as we study these terms, that the people who do the things that we are about to mention... Do them merely because they are in love with themselves. Did you hear that? The characteristics we're about to mention are characteristics that come from a heart that is focused on self alone. And we're not just talking about out there. I want you to see, first of all, that these people, verse number two, are going to be covetous. Covetous, that simply means that they are lovers of money. They are lovers of possessions. They are lovers of status. Covetousness is one of the greatest sins that we often give a pass to in our own lives and is often left unnoticed and unrestrained. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number five says, Let your conversation, your lifestyle, be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. Why? Because he he said, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Hey, if God's all you got, God's all you need. 
You don't need to be covetous over what somebody else has. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Come on, my friends. I don't need to look very far this morning in our own society to see that covetousness is causing so many problems in our society. Why? Because people are in love with themselves, and so they've got to take care of themselves. And if you've got something better than I've got, then I've got to work harder so I can get it, or I've got to beg, borrow, steal, and take whatever I want to take so that I can have what you have because I've got to be number one. And some have erred from the faith because all of a sudden it's, Pastor, I can't be at church on Sunday because i got to work. Why do you got to work? I need bigger things. This morning in our Sunday school hour, if you missed it, let me encourage you to be in Sunday school. But if you missed it, we heard that loss is gain. But in our society today, our flesh and people of society say, that doesn't make any sense. Isn't gain, gain? Isn't that how you win? Isn't it getting more and bigger and having better? Isn't that how you win? But yet God's perspective is when you lose, you gain. You see, friends, our society is consumed by this covetousness because they're in love with themselves and they will do whatever it is that they have to do. You remember the message several months ago? Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. Why? Because if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. They're covetous. We all all right this morning? You kind of are quiet on me. I see thirdly that they are boasters. Boasters, you see it there? This simply means, and I love it, empty pretenders. They brag about what they have and what they have done. They set themselves up as the be-all and the end-all of other people's lives. And they are all talk and little to no action. That describes some co-workers and bosses. They are always the hero of the story or they are always the victim of the circumstances. Oh, well, I would have scored that winning touchdown, but the grass had a sprinkler that was sticking up that tripped me. I scored the winning touchdown because I, I was able to jump higher than I've ever jumped before. And I was able to catch the ball like I've never caught the ball before. And if it would not have been for me being there, Brother Brian, we would not have won the state championship. Come on. I'm, not, I'm giving you a silly illustration, but we all know the people that we talk with at work or even some family members that we may live with that they boast about what they have done when they haven't really done anything. And they brag about it. They are empty pretenders. I see th uh, number four, that they are proud. They are proud. This is an overestimation of one's worth. We all know how destructive pride is and the fact that a, a proud look is listed as one of the seven abominations that God hates in Proverbs chapter number six. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 18, we know the verse that says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. We ought to remember that you and I are nothing other than sinners saved by the grace of God. And like Paul said, that by the grace of God, I am what I am. I came into this world with nothing. I'm going to leave this world with nothing. But it's all because of God's amazing grace. For I say that through the grace that was given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. John chapter number 15, verse number 5, cuts right to the heart, where Jesus himself said, For without me ye can do nothing. Pride will be a characteristic of the people of the last days. Blasphemers. 
These are given to defiant and bitter words. Those who speak evil of God. They speak evil of God's children and His work. Have you considered the rise in cursing in our day? Why is that true? Because men have lost all respect for God. They've lost all respect for themselves. And they've lost all respect for others. They think nothing of using their tongue to speak evil against everyone and everything. Well, if my boss... If my coworkers, if they wouldn't have taken my parking spot, this includes, can I just stop here for just a second? I'm not going to dive into it deep, but I got to say it. This includes even in the Christian realm of using God's name in vain or even getting as close to it as we possibly can without crossing the line. Can I give you some examples? Here's, can I say it? It doesn't sound right. Christian cussing. Here's what we do. Here's what we give a pass to. OMG. Well, golly. How about this one? Jesus Christ. Did I really just use that in a glorifying, honoring way unto my Savior? I didn't cuss, did I? Or did I get as close as I could using my words? Moms, dads, you ought to be careful what you're... Young people are learning. But moms and dads, you ought to be careful of what you're teaching your young people. Blasphemers, they are given to defiant and bitter words. They speak evil of God and speak evil of his work. Disobedient to parents. This rejection of Christian values starts and it affects our home today. And discipline has gone out the window in our society. It's as if there's no discipline at all. If children will not respect and obey their parents, who will they respect? If there is no obedience and respect and loyalty in the home, then why should we expect to find it in society with our police officers? I'm not going to spend the time jumping on a soapbox. But if it's not in the home, it's not going to happen in society. But we're already seeing the effects of that in society. Why? Because they set themselves up. Why do you have to tell your child no? Because they're being selfish they're thinking only of themselves so why are they being disobedient because they think their way is better than your way unthankful i love this one well i want to preach on this one but i can't unthankful this attitude will be prevalent in the last days because being unthankful they will have no gratitude for anything that they possess they will have no gratitude for the kindnesses that they have been extended, whether it comes from God or from someone else. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 reminds us, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Our society, however, is marked by this kind of entitled unthankfulness. Yet God's word teaches us that we should be a thankful people. Colossians 3, verse 15, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Number eight, they're unholy. This simply means they are wicked. 
This word means that they are profane. This is the state of the heart when men lose all regard for decency and shame. People are governed by their passions and they are blind to modesty, to decency, to purity and to righteousness. Think of the flaunting of wickedness and evil that is so rampant in our society. Men will increase in wickedness as the end approaches. And this tent is becoming more and more and more evident. The bottom line is that men will hold nothing as being sacred anymore. And the question is, are we there yet? Because you can see that in our society. Number nine, they're without natural affection. This describes really a breakdown in the family. There's a loss of love for those that they ought to love that they are closest to. There's abandonment. There's abuse. There's abortion. There's infidelity. And the list could go on and on and on. Come on. How many times have you read in the headlines of a mother that has given up her child, not by adoption, but by trying to gain drugs or trying to gain more money for their whatever? We read it in the news all of the time of these people that should have a love for their own family, and yet they're selling them out. They're without natural affection, but I wonder if it could also reference the sinful perversion of homosexuality that is infecting our society today. And is it all right for me to just call sin, sin this morning? They're without natural affection because there's a love for themselves. Number 10, they're truce breakers. I'll be quick with these last few, but truce breakers. This is referring to those who will not keep their promises. I don't, I, I, I can't fathom, but there was just a century, not even a century ago, just maybe just 20 years ago, a man's word meant something. But no longer does his word mean a guarantee. It speaks of people who will not try to agree. This is a picture of those who are unyielding and must at all costs have their own way. False accusers simply defined as slanderers. These people do everything in their power to destroy the good name name and reputation of another person. By the way, this word is the same word from which we get the word devil. In other words, the devil is a slanderer. And those who engage in destroying the good name and reputation of another person are guilty of engaging in the devil's work. Incontinent. Incontinent simply means without self-control or the ability to discipline one's life. Their thought or their feeling is this, if it feels good, do it. Why should I deny myself the little pleasures of life? Why should I take up my cross, as we heard in the morning sir, in the morning Sunday school hour? Why should I deny myself of the pleasures of this life? YOLO! And for the younger generation, you know what I'm talking about. YOLO, you only live once, so live it up. Don't deny yourself the fun and the pleasures of our society, but the Word of God has a different take on that situation. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12 says this, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. That word expedient, this is what it means. Not all things are convenient. Not all things are suitable. Not all things are appropriate. Can I sum it up by saying this? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. But our society doesn't know that. They think it's all about me. And if it feels good, do it. Because you only live once, so live it up. They are incontinent. They are fierce. 
This is untamed, savage, it's brutal. People will be controlled by their selfish, self-preserving instincts. They will begin acting like wild animals. I don't have to go very far back in our history books to think of the Titanic where the call was made that the lifeboats were for uh, women and children only and yet men would push their way and buy their way onto those lifeboats. Why? To preserve them own selves. Men that would dress up like women just so they could take the spot of a woman or of a child just for their own self-preservation Preservation, and that was back in 19 whatever, 1912. We're talking about right here in our society in 2019 about the self preservation that we are doing, and we are just pushing others aside. We are fierce, we're untamed, savage, brutal. They are despisers of those that are good. We are living in a world where good is evil, and evil is good. Therefore, those who take a stand along biblical lines are persecuted and hated. Why do you think the Ten Commandments have been taken down from courtrooms and schoolhouses? Why do you think prayer is being banned at school functions? Why do you think the world is so against the Word of God at being proclaimed in public? Because they're despisers of those that are good. They are traitors. People who betray others and use friendships and positions just to get their own way. These people will lie. They will cheat. They will steal. They will crush anyone who dares get in their way. Basically... People will, will possess no loyalty except to themselves. And if you don't think that's true, just watch the presidential race in 2020. They will lie and push and cheat and steal and crush anyone who gets in their way. They are traitors. They are heady. This word means reckless, rash, acting without reasonable thought. This is a lifestyle that does as it pleases without the regard for consequences or those involved. It speaks really of, an, uh, of those that are involved in activities of a foolish nature. They are high-minded. Those who are puffed up with a false sense of their own self-importance. People who think that they are better than they really are. These people feel that they have no need for God and no need for others. They believe that they are all they need. And number 18, they are... You still with me? Verse number 4, they are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Those who love pleasures of this world more than they love God. Can I give you some examples? Is that all right? Our pleasure-mad society spent in 2018, Americans spent nearly $12 billion in movie theaters. $12 billion spent in movie theaters in 2018 by Americans. $23 billion spent on music by Americans. Oh, wait, it gets better. Brother Jim, you'll understand this one. $43 billion spent by Americans on, vi on video games. On video games. $43 billion on video games. Our pleasure-mad society, Americans, spent $56 billion on sporting events and concerts. To entertain ourselves, to entertain the pleasures that we want, we'll go to great lengths. In fact... Can I just be honest with us this morning? 
I'm not going to look at anybody's eyes. I'm just going to read it if that's okay. Church attendance has dropped greatly over the last 10 years due in large part to sporting events, recreational activities, and a diminishing of the importance of being placed on worshiping God with fellow believers. They are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. But here's where the rubber meets the road, if you will, this morning. I want you to look at verse number five. It says that they have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Paul tells us that the population of the last days will be characterized by wickedness and evil, but these people will be a religious people. They will have a form. That word form means a semblance. In other words, they will claim to be good and they will claim to be decent and moral people, but the problem is that they have a desperately wicked heart. The way they live proves that their claim of faith is actually false. We don't have to look very far in the scriptures to see the same people that we're talking about here as Judas walked with Jesus and yet he was not a part of them in his heart. We see where even Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world. We see here that these people will have a semblance, a form, of godliness, but they will deny the power thereof. You see, Paul was saying to Timothy that the people in the last days will be religious and they will have the appearance of godliness, but they and they will go to church and they will talk the language of the church, but while they possess the form of godliness, they, the, they, they deny the power of godliness. What does Paul mean here? Simply a relationship with Jesus Christ is vital. We understand that. It's life-altering. It's a relationship that will change you. No man can come to Jesus and remain the same. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But in the last days, these days will be characterized by a people who want the security of a relationship with God, who want to give God their lip service, but who refuse to have him rule their lives. Uh-oh, I think I lost you somewhere in that list. They want a God of their own creation while blatantly rejecting the cross and its life-changing message. The world will be filled with people who are religious but lost. Jesus even said that there will be those that will stand before the great white throne judgment and they will say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out demons in thy name? Did we not preach and prophesy in thy name? And the Lord will look at them and he will say, depart from me for I never knew you. And today there are people, hundreds if not thousands of people, even just across America, that are sitting in good churches and sitting in religious buildings. I'm not going to call them churches. Religious buildings. That they are trying to appease their conscience by giving God a tenth of their day. Giving God a little portion of their heart, but they're denying the power thereof. There will be an increase in powerless, Christless religion. Religion that cannot save, cannot change, and cannot satisfy. And whether you can see it or not, we are in those days right now because we are being consumed by a love for ourselves. 
Matthew 24, verse 12. And because iniquity, that word iniquity is talking about sin. Amen? Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Come on, I could preach here for just a second, but I'm not going to. But can you not see the reason why we are in the perilous times that we are in? It's because men have become lovers of their own selves. They have taken every bit of the fatal attraction, hook, line, and sinker, and it is consuming their lives to the point that God is out of the equation and loving others is out of the equation. Why? Because we're consumed with a love for, love for ourselves. And I'm not preaching this message to you this morning. I'm preaching this message to me because I live in a society that tells me, Daniel, it's all about you. And it's all about you meeting your needs. And it's all about you getting what you want out of life. And it's all about you climbing the ladder of success. It's all about you, Daniel. And so you do. Yo, you, you YOLO because you only live once. You give in to that pleasure of sin for a season. Why? Because it's okay. As long as you do the God thing on the side, you can serve yourself. Am I talking to anyone else in the room this morning that might struggle like I struggle? That we are consumed not with our love for God, but we're consumed with our love for ourselves. But the message doesn't stop there, and I'll be quick here. Paul did not leave Timothy without some hope. And Paul did not leave you and I without some hope. God did not leave us without some hope. And I want you to see, yeah, the reality of the last days. And yeah, the reason for the reality of these last days is men shall be consumed with a love for themselves. But I want you to see quickly verse number 5. And the rest of the chapter gives us the remedy. The remedy. I think it's clear that we're in the last days. And we can see the effects of our sin. But I want you to see Paul gave the remedy. And it starts there in verse number 5. The latter half of verse number 5 simply says this. From such, turn away. Everybody say that together with me. From such, turn away. From such, turn away. What are we to do in these last days? How are we to stop loving ourselves? How are we to separate from those that are going in a sinful manner towards these last times, these perilous times? How can we stay away? And we see here clearly that, that we are to forsake them, that we are to, from such, turn away. We're to forsake those that are following after their own sinfulness and their own sinful desires and their sinful flesh. And you and I are to, though we see them having a form of godliness, they are denying the power thereof, and we are supposed to be selected with whom we associate as individuals. There comes a time when because of sin and wickedness, we must cut ties and walk apart from those that are evil. In verse 5, the word turn simply means to shun or to avoid. And this might sound harsh, but it's what we must do. We must from such turn away. We must forsake those that are going in a direction that we're not going. Hey, if I've got friends that are going in a direction I don't want to go, I ought to separate myself from them before they go that direction. Hey, if I've got friends that my children are being influenced by, then I need to maybe cut some ties or I need to have a conversation and say, we're not going that way. We're not listening to that. We're not doing that. We don't act that way. Why, Dad? Why? Isn't it acceptable in all of society? It might be acceptable in all of society, but just because everybody else is jumping off the cliff, come on, you know it, doesn't mean I need to. And some of us as Christian parents are going to have to take a stand and we're going to have to from such turn away for our children's sake. Some of us as just Christians are going to have to from
from such turn away for our own sake. Why? Because we know that the perilous times are coming and from such we are to turn away. And though it may sound harsh, it's what we must do. But I also see Paul also told us that we are to follow. We are to follow. Verse number 10, jump down there quickly if you would. It not only says from such turn away, but then in verse number 10, Paul tells Timothy, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, my persecutions, verse 11, my afflictions. Paul is simply telling him that, that Timothy... Just look at my life. I have been a faithful follower and servant of God, and it's important that as these last days approach that I'm not going to be here for much longer, but you need to forsake. You need to from such turn away, but you need to find those that you can follow, those whose life match up with what, you, uh, with what they say. I'll give this quickly to you. I'm not going to preach it. But these kind of people, those that we ought to give an ear to, those that we ought to follow, their lives are open for all to see. Paul had nothing to hide, and Timothy had lived and labored with Paul and knew the man well. They also teach true doctrine. No matter how appealing a preacher may be, this one included, no matter how appealing a preacher may be, if he does not preach the truth of God's word, he does not deserve our support. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, help me out this morning. We ought not to be giving an ear to those that just because they are appealing, just because they have a form, a semblance of godliness, does not mean that we ought to hook, line, and sink or take what they have to say. On radio, on TV today, we have a great deal of pseudo-Christianity, which is a mixture of psychology and success motivation and personalities with a little bit of Bible thrown into it to make it look religious. Beware. Beware, because we will live in religious days, but they won't have a relationship with Jesus. And this could include anyone in our lives that we give an ear to. This could include the music that we listen to. This could include the books that we read. This could include the movies or the blogs or the posts that we follow. Anybody that you give an ear to, you ought to make sure that they are, treat, that they are teaching true doctrine. These people that you should follow practice what they preach. Paul's manner of life backed up his message. He didn't tell them to sacrifice, and he lived in luxury. He stood up for truth, even when it meant losing friends. In the end, he even lost his life. But Paul was a servant, not a celebrity. Their purpose that we should follow them is to glorify God. There was never a question about Paul's purpose in ministry. He wanted to do God's will and finish the work that God had given him to do. And we need to follow those that are willing to suffer. Paul did not ask others to suffer without himself suffering for others. We are to, can I just sum it up this way? I forgot, oh no, not yet. We are to follow those whose walk matches their talk. And then I see, lastly, we are to faithfully continue. Look over at verse number 14. But continue thou. Let's say those three words. But continue thou. In these last days, there will be more deception and, and imitation. And the only way that you and I as a believer will know the difference to be able to tell the truth from that which is false is by knowing this precious old book. We're to continue in the scriptures. We're to continue because there will never be a day where you and I outgrow the scriptures. Timothy had been taught the word of God from a time that he was a child. And he was continued to do what he had been taught. And you and I never outgrow the word of God. No matter how mature, old, 
we become. In fact, Christian parents, this is why it's so important for you to teach your children the Bible and not society's philosophies. Philosophies change, but God's word never changes. Friends, the times are not going to get better. In fact, they're going to get a lot worse. But you and I as Christians, we can become better people even in bad times. How? Because, or how can we do this? Well, how we do it is we separate ourselves from that which is false and we devote ourselves to that which is true and we continue in our study of the Word of God and then God can equip us for ministry in these difficult days and we will have the joy of seeing others come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because we forsook that which was evil. We followed that which was good and we faithfully continued in that which we have been taught. And I just want to it all up this way. Are you being consumed this morning by a love for yourself? If so, it's a fatal attraction for both you, your family, your culture, and your church. So I ask you, will you determine to turn away from such a fatal attraction? Father, thank you for the word of God. And I pray something this morning said was a help and a blessing. And Lord, I apologize if I did not convey it in such a way that would have been more helpful. But Lord, I believe that we are living in the last days. And I believe that, Lord, if we're not careful and if we allow our attitudes and our actions to go unchecked, that Lord, that the slippery slope of sin and of compromise and of convenience will take us farther than we ever thought we would ever go. And Lord, help us, even as leaders in our homes and in our families and even in our church, to not be swayed by every wind of change that might come. But help us, Lord, to love you supremely and to love others as we love ourselves and to put ourselves at the end of the list, knowing, Lord, that if we get ensnared or entangled by the attraction of ourself, that there is much for us to lose and nothing to gain. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.